the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you and welcome to the program. Welcome to God's Gypsy Christian Hour. Tonight, Sammy is in Houston, Texas. They just welcomed a new granddaughter. We want to say God bless you to Sammy and JC, to Brian and Natalie, and welcome Lily Rose. Sam should be back, if not next week, the following week. But for tonight, I'll be your host, Stephen Mitchell, and with me again is Sam's oldest son, Peter Nicholas. God bless you, Peter. Welcome. God bless you, Tonight, we will continue the conversation from last week. Last week, we spoke about John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. And we cannot bear fruit if we are not in Jesus. And we left it off with your relationship, how important the relationship with Jesus is. Tonight, we want to continue that. We want to talk about how we are connected to Jesus in order to bear the fruit. And we're going to talk a little bit, Peter, about Good Friday, Yesterday was Good Friday, and we call it Good Friday because it was good for us, but a lot of people say it was really bad for Jesus, Peter. I was actually just talking about that with somebody. I don't know where the term Good Friday came from, because if you think about it, you're talking about the suffering and the death of the one that we love with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So how could we look at it? I understand you look at the results of it, but you don't see that on Friday. On Friday, you, you, you understand the parimos of it. You understand the conviction of it. You understand how much the one that you love the most hurt, and it was all for us. It was this great act of compassion and love just for us. Amen. Amen. And that's one of the things we can talk about tonight. We're going to get into the word of it is finished. The word tetelestai. A lot of people know it as paid in full. But as I studied it, I found that it means accomplished or completed. And we're going to talk a little bit about what exactly was accomplished on the cross. What did Jesus accomplish? And it's a lot more then we might think there's there's a few things that were accomplished by Jesus dying on the cross. Before we get into the study, we want to welcome you to give a call with any questions, any prayer requests that you might have. 
You can call and be live on the air. The phone number is 888-995-5552. Again, that's 888-995-5552. And we're going to go to the phone lines right now. We've got Mike who needs some prayer for his mother. Hello, Mike. God bless you. How can we help you? Hi, Steve. Um, my mother had a problem with because she has sugar diabetes. She had a problem with one of her toes, but it healed up and it's doing fine now. So maybe just say a thank you for, for what's going on with my mom. Amen. Father, we thank you. We know that all good things come from you. We know that healing is by your hand, Father. And we thank you for the healing that we see. And we pray that you would bring the healing to completion, Father. And we pray for all of those with diabetes, Father. We pray that you would give us wisdom and direction how to to live, and how to even defeat it. Father, I've heard a lot of people who've gotten rid of diabetes in their lives, and I know I'd like to be one. And I pray over your children, Father. Have your way, and I pray your blessings upon Mike, upon his family, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Steve. It's good to have you tonight. God bless you. You too. Bye-bye. Amen. Before we get into the Word, Peter, would you pray? We thank you and we praise you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have, to speak unto your glory, to talk about not just your just your, your suffering and your debt, but your resurrection, and how you're with us, Lord, I pray that you would bless the word tonight, that we would speak words that aren't our own, but that completely and totally belong to you from your spirit, Lord. In your holy name we pray. Fill this room, Father. Amen. Amen. Again, I want to give out the number if you want to call with a question or a prayer. 888-995-5552. Again, that's 888-995-5552. Father, I thank you for this night. Speak, we ask. So where we're going to start tonight is in John chapter 19, Peter. And in chapter 19, there are a few things that Jesus says when he's on the cross. But one of the last ones that he says is, it's translated in our Bibles, it is finished. And I looked into the word, it is finished. We've heard the word to telestai for many years now. And what I saw is that the word to telestai comes from a word meaning to be completed, to accomplish something. And it got me thinking of what is it that Jesus accomplished on the cross? We see that through the cross we received victory over sin and death. We received salvation. We received peace between man and God because the Bible says while we were yet his enemies. You see a lot of people talk about the peace of God but they think about that in, in their um, in their spirit and, and the way that they feel in their emotions but when it says peace with God a lot of times it talks about two warring countries or two warring people and when they finally stop fighting and come together, they have peace. And that's the type of peace that it's talking about because we were God's enemies. Because of sin, 
The Bible says, while we were still yet his enemies, he died for us on the cross. So we received that peace. We, re- we received restoration of personal, re- personal relationship with the Father. We received reconciliation. And another thing is, he fulfilled every prophecy about himself before the cross. And I was just telling Peter, it's actually very interesting. I just found this out through this study is that they offered him wine mixed with gall. And that was a um, a pain reliever. And it was prophesied in the Old Testament, in Psalms, I believe, by David. And that was the absolute last prophecy that had to be fulfilled before he could die. And guess what he said right before it is finished? He said, I thirst. And they offered him up this drink. And he waited until he had fulfilled every single prophecy before his death. And once they were all fulfilled is when he said, it's completed, it's done. Amen. But the cross was, Peter, it was unimaginably painful, embarrassing, humiliating. This torture that Rome had perfected, they got it from the Persians, but they perfected it. They learned how to do it right. And it was so awful that it was not allowed in Rome. They didn't allow crucifixions to take place in Rome because it was such an awful thing. And a lot of times they wouldn't allow women to witness the crucifixion because it was so awful. And we take a look at the life of Jesus. And he lived perfectly, without sin. And it actually started the night before his crucifixion when one of his followers betrayed him and it all started. After his friend betrayed him, he spoke to one of the high priests and one of the guards slapped him. Well, just uh, before you go on, you talked about it being uh, how they perfected it. But Jesus' crucifixion wasn't exactly what they perfected. You, you notice that the, the two thieves on the, on the right and left of him, they were also crucified, but they were not beaten the way that Jesus was beaten. Right. They didn't have a crown of thorns, you know, uh, with two-by-fours pushing it down, stuck into their skulls. They didn't have their beards pulled off, you know, by hand by those big Roman guards. What Jesus got, even though they, in their minds they perfected crucifixion, it wasn't enough to torture him, and he got that much more. Peter, you just mentioned a couple more things that he went through. After he was slapped, after being arrested and betrayed, he was spit on. The crown of thorn was placed on his head. He was mocked. They called him 
king and put a purple robe on him. And they didn't realize it, Peter, but they were actually saying the truth because he was king. He is king. You know, it's interesting. The Bible says that God cannot be mocked. And in everything that they said, even though that they thought they were, they were speaking the truth. And they just were kind of fulfilling that promise that God can't be mocked. You know, on there, he wrote, uh, here is the king of the Jews. And the, the, the Israelites, they said, no, 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 say that he said he was the king of the Jews. And Pilate just said, I wrote what I wrote. And that was it. Amen. Amen. Um, he was severely beaten, severely beaten. Um, everybody who's seen the Passion of the Christ cried at the things that they saw on screen. But Peter, as as bad as the Passion of the Christ was, it wasn't close to what happened to Jesus because it says he wasn't recognizable on a man, as a man. We couldn't tell if he was man or beast. Isaiah prophesied that over him. He was beaten in such a way that he should have died from the beating. Um, Height requirements for the Roman soldiers is said to be six foot minimum. And they had a game that they would play historically. They would take the face of someone, place his chin on a pole, and see who could strike him harder. This is what Jesus went through. And then, after being brutally beaten to a point of should have been dead, was made to carry a cross. They say it was about three blocks. And then crucified. And if you know the way that they crucified people, It's a very embarrassing thing. And most of the paintings, most of the statues, most everything that we see, Jesus being crucified, he's wearing some type of a covering. And in all actuality, in truth, he was naked on the cross. And it bothers me just to say it, let alone the fact that it happened. And he was in front of his mother, his disciples, and even some of the women that followed him. After all of the beating and the torture and the carrying the cross, now they shamed him. They, they placed such an embarrassment upon him. And then the suffering for six hours on the cross. But Peter, Hebrews 12.2 says, But for the joy that was set before him, he endured the shame of the cross. He endured shame, despising the shame of the cross. And I asked Peter a question uh, before the program, and it was, what do you think the word despise means? I thought it meant to, to hate. Or to be disgusted by. And that's what I thought it meant too. But when I did the study, it it really threw me for a loop because that word, when I did the study, it said basically to count it as nothing. In comparison, it's like 
Jesus knew exactly what he was going to suffer. And yet, he said, it doesn't matter because it's all worth it. It's not that he hated, but it's that he didn't even count it as making it more difficult or making it not worth it to suffer the cross. Because of the joy that was set before him, he looked at the suffering that he was going to go through and said, it's so much more worth it, keeping his eyes on the prize, keeping his eyes on the joy that was set before him. You know, there's also another thing. It wasn't enough to break his compassion or his love. And you see this when he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is after the fact of the beating, the torturing, the shame, the spitting, the the insult of of being shouted out, Hosanna, Hosanna, right? When he, we were just talking about uh, the, the triumphant entry, right? And he comes in, and these people, that the, the ones that shouted crucify him, the ones that put him on the cross, those were the ones praising his name because they thought they could get something from him. All right? To be betrayed like that, wouldn't that just bring you a, a, a anger or that, that that would just knock out any compassion or love you have? for the people that, that you're looking at. And then he's hanging there on the cross in the middle or towards the end of his suffering. And the world through the everything that they had at him, the, the best shot, the, the perfect torture, the, the hurt from the people that he cared about. And he looked down on them and he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is a great example of the limitless love of God. You can't break his compassion. You can't break his love for you. You can try your best. You can give everything that's within the world's power to do against him, and yet nothing will break. If this didn't break his compassion and his love for them, then nothing ever would have. And that, to me, is amazing. Amen. Amen. So we see what the joy that is set before him is. This joy, with everything that we talked about, about victory, salvation and peace, restoration, relationship, and fulfillment of prophecy. Peter, it's all wrapped up in one thing. It's wrapped up in the will of the Father. The joy that was set before him was to do the will of God. This is what made Christ happy, gave him joy. This is what his whole purpose in life was. And I said something last night when I shared this. The first words we hear out of Jesus' mouth is, didn't you know I'd be about my father's work? From the beginning, this was his life. To do the will of the Father, to accomplish the will of the Father, even unto death. You know, I have a question that I ask people. And it's, are you living the life that Christ died for you to have? Are you living a life that that looks to serve the purpose of God in your life? You know, the Bible says in in Revelations 4.11 that all things were created 
for his pleasure and for his purpose. In Colossians 1.16, it says he created all things for his pleasure and for his purpose. We are created only because God wanted to enjoy us. He didn't need us. He doesn't need us. But he wants us. You know, I, I look back at Genesis and it says, God came to, to walk in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve in the garden. He came to hang out with them. This is what God would do. He would come and hang out with Adam and Eve because he wanted to fellowship with them. He wanted to, uh, to communicate with them. He just wanted to be with them. And to be able to love them and bless them and lead them and teach them. And it's the same thing today. That's the whole purpose of Christ coming on the cross is so that we can get back to the relationship of the garden. It's all he's ever wanted. Every step of the Bible, you see that God makes a way somehow, some way for his people to communicate with him from the garden to the tabernacle to the two temples, to Christ himself coming to the Bible saying, we are now the temple of the living God. Because all God wants is to be in communication with us, is to live with us, to walk with us, and to fulfill his purpose in us. And this is where it falls in on us. Because now the life of Jesus is supposed to be lived through us, where our goal, our purpose is to fulfill the Father's will, is to do the Father's will, even unto death. But isn't that kind of a burden? Isn't that kind of a... Isn't that going to get in my way? Isn't that going to be a problem for me? You say that, uh, that, that God came down and he basically just wanted to hang out with Adam and Eve. Why? Was it so that he could boss them around? Was it so that he can give them orders and take away joy from them? Or is it more like Jesus says, so that their joy could be complete? Amen. Could it be possible that the best life that we could live would be enjoying the presence of God and that God would enjoy being with us like that? You, know, you have to look at it as a way that... Uh, why do people have children? All right, Because they want to bring a, a burden on themselves? No. It's so that they can take care of them and love them and teach them and watch them grow up. The, the whole process is a beautiful, joyful relationship. God being the ultimate father, that's all that he wants. He wants to us to enjoy his presence. He wants to, to bless and pour out his love upon us, but he wants to enjoy our presence too. This isn't a burden. This is a beautiful, joy-filled relationship. But we look at it sometimes from the wrong point of view. I told you I was driving, last week I was driving over here and I was listening to this preaching, which, like I told you, I didn't, I hadn't really listened to preachings all that much lately, but I used to do it all the time. And and while I'm listening, everything I'm hearing is making me rejoice because I love 
understanding something new about God. I love hearing something new about God. And it gave me great joy. And I just said to myself, why did I stop doing this? Why did I separate myself from this joy? And we got to understand that when we separate ourselves from God, we're not taken just away from God. We're taking something that gives us the greatest and the most purest joy from ourselves. Hey, we're we're taking away our own blessing. You know, um, oh, I forgot where it was. I think it was Isaiah. But it says, the Lord delights in blessing his people. This is what God wants to do. It's his desire. Uh, Pastor Javon Ruff said, I can imagine God sitting on the edge of his seat waiting for us to take the step towards him just so that he could bless us. It's not so that because he needs us. It's not because he's lacking in anything that we need to fulfill. It's not that he wants to take anything away from us, but he wants us to take the correct step towards him so that he can bless us, so that he his joy is blessing his children. This is what he loves to do. Why do we break our necks for Christmas? All right. Is it really for ourselves? Or will we work ten times harder than we normally do so that we can give our children exactly what they want? Why? Because it gives them joy. That's, that's God. That's God in us. You know, maybe we don't do it the right way all the time. But you want to know something? That, that reflection of love... That is completely from God. Amen. Amen. And as I said in the beginning of the program, what we're talking tonight about is your relationship with God. We talked about being the vine and the branch and how the branch that is not connected to the vine, that's not receiving what it needs from the vine, is cut off and thrown into the fire. It doesn't bear fruit. It's the... John 15 says the branch that doesn't bear fruit is cut off. It's separated. And we don't want to be separated from God. And we're talking about the relationship. Now, why did I bring up all of this stuff? Yesterday was Good Friday. And this is what Christ suffered. And now it comes to our part. Jesus suffered the death of that we should have died. And now he's given us life, but are we living the life that he called us to? In Luke, the ninth chapter, it says, if you want to follow me, you've got to pick up your cross daily. Daily, you have to deny yourself and pick up your cross daily. You know, Peter, even though we won't suffer the terrible death, the thing that in the garden, Jesus himself Ask God, ask the Father, if this cup can pass from me, not because of the beating, not because of the crucifixion, but because there was going to be a separation from God. That separation was supposed to be ours. We were supposed to be separated from the Father, but Christ took it upon himself, the suffering, the separation. And it came to the point where he even said, Father, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, but again, the joy that was set before him, He said, not my will, but your will. Jesus is our example, and we are supposed to follow him. Uh, Paul, 
one of the greatest apostles, wrote half the Bible, uh, half the New Testament, says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul was a very intelligent man. Um, he was a very um, literate man. But it wasn't until Jesus came into his life and he died to his own life that something awesome began to help, to happen with him. And he went on to be one of the greatest apostles. And when Paul was ready to die, he said, I have finished the race. That finish is the same finish that Jesus said on the cross. It's the same one that means I completed. I did what God called me to do. I fulfilled the purpose that God had for me. And Paul is telling us, follow me as I follow Christ. The Bible calls us to take on the nature of Christ, the righteousness of Christ. It says to do the things as Christ. Christ himself said, you will do greater things than I did. But it takes us dying to ourselves in order to live the life that Christ died for us to have. It takes us doing the Romans 12 to no longer conforming to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind, by placing our desires, our will, our purpose, our time, our effort aside, the things that we desire, even laziness. And I know I have to deal with that one a lot in my life. But placing all of that aside and allowing the Word of God to transform us, allowing spending time in prayer, spending time just in the presence of God to change us, to transform us. The Bible says, I plead with you in Romans 1, dear brothers and sisters, to make yourselves a living sacrifice. And it, it, it says... It says something that a lot of people don't get. This is your reasonable sacrifice. In compared to what God has given, the reasonable sacrifice would be for you to give up your life for God and begin to live for God, begin to focus on His purpose and His will above your own. Amen. And this is what God is calling us to. This is what... One of the things that I pray we remember not only on Good Friday, but every Friday and every day and every week and every month and every year, that we remember what Christ did for us. And we remember these words. It is finished. Write it down. Put it on a post-it note. Put it somewhere where you'll see it every morning when you wake up. And remember that Jesus completed the will of the Father. And now you have the opportunity to complete the will of the Father. But you know, Friday was yesterday, and today is Saturday. It's actually Sunday, but you know what I mean. And we're talking about the relationship with God, and, and Peter, Peter had a word that kind of continues what we're talking about, about the relationship with God. And what happens when Friday is over. 
You started in John 19, <clears throat> and the end of John 19 is John 19:42. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Now go to John 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, the first day of the week is Sunday. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the, to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. What happened on Saturday? We get nothing. We see nothing. We, we hear nothing about Saturday. It goes from they laid Jesus to, in the tomb on Friday and then early on the first day on Sunday morning. And what we wanted to talk about was the silence of Saturday. This must have been the worst time for the disciples. This must have been the worst time for the followers of Christ who heard nothing from the Messiah for this entire day. And how could they get through after seeing the one that they loved with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, the one that they dedicated their lives to, after they see him suffer and die on Friday, and what are they left with on Saturday? Complete silence. And we've been talking about having a relationship with God, and my question was, how do we remain in a relationship with God when we can't hear or feel what he's saying? And it's by his word. John fifteen seven says, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But what I'm going through right now, I can't pray. I can't read. I can't worship. I can't hear his voice. I can't touch his presence. I can't get connected to the one that loves me the most and the one that I love the most. It's like he's not there. That's what they must have felt like when they saw their Savior die and then they couldn't hear him anymore. Doesn't it feel like that for us sometimes? Don't we feel like we're in the in-between of, of the, the crucifixion and the resurrection? Because we know the resurrection is coming. Jesus promised as much. In Mark 9.31, he said... Uh, he was teaching his disciples, and he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. That was a promise. That was, this is what I'm going to go through. But it says right after that that they didn't understand what he was talking about at the time. And sometimes we don't understand what we're going through and why we're going through it, and we can't hear his word. But what we need, what we need when we're in the process, right after the process, the process was Friday. The process was the crucifixion. The victory was coming on Sunday. But the space in between, that was the problem. What do you do in the space in between your problem and the solution? On Saturday, they heard nothing. And what they had, all they had was the word that he spoke to them. All they had was the word that they could remember. So when we can't hear him, when we can't hear him speak, we have to turn to his word. But it's hard to get to when you're going through something. It's hard to get to when you're in pain. And that's why we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. Because in John 14, 26, Jesus says to them, But the Helper, 
the Holy Spirit, the Father, will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. That's what we need. We need to remember all the things that the Lord has said to us. We need to to remember all the things we've experienced in him. But for the Holy Spirit to cause us to remember, we would first have had to hear his word, had to have read his word. In Romans 10, 17, it says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So here's my question. What or who have you been listening to? Have you listened to the world who says that Jesus is dead and gone and his power is gone with him? Or have you put yourself in the position to listen to the Holy Spirit who declares he is risen? What we have to remember, and we've been talking about a relationship, right? But what is a relationship? The definition of a relationship is the way in which two or more concepts, objects, or people are connected. Your relationship with God is your connection to Him. Or it says the state of being connected. How are you connected to God? A relationship with God or with another person. What is that? It's based on shared experiences. Stephen, I know you since day one. We grew up together. I know you and you know me. How is that possible? Because at any point in my life, I can say, you were doing this, or we were here, or we were that. When we talk about the church, we were serving in it together. When we talk about being children, we were playing and learning together. That's a relationship. I could not see you for 10 years and still be able to remember the relationship because we have so many shared experiences. Our fathers and mothers were best friends. We grew up in the same houses. There's a relationship there. But what if what if we never met? What if we never knew each other? There would be no shared experiences. There'd be no nothing to say, well, you remember when we did this or you remember when this happened? So my question again, or another question, because I'm just asking a bunch of questions, <laughs> all right? What is your experience with God? What have you been through with God? You know, Peter, there's, in, in Psalms 119, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And we don't realize how important the Word of God is to keeping us on track. You know, um, you talked about the silent Saturday. When there's a, there's a saying that when the cat's away, the mice will play. And in the times where you might not feel God or, or it might seem like you don't hear God, your walk may weaken. You may fail 
a little more because you don't feel the communication there. But look how Psalm says it. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Um, there's, there's a saying that I have, and it's that the knowledge of who God is has to overcome the feeling of who God is. Amen. Because sometimes we feel like God is God, and sometimes we feel like we're God, and we can control our own lives. Sometimes we feel like God is extremely close, and sometimes we feel like God is extremely far, and we haven't heard from him in a while. And there's been a lot of silent Saturdays and silent Sundays and Mondays and Tuesdays and Februaries and Marches and Mays. And it can seem like God isn't there. But we know that God is always there. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And in those times where the feeling of God isn't there, the knowledge of God, you said it, the Spirit will bring to remembrance. And you also said it, you have to have something for him to bring to remembrance. If there's no relationship there, he can't remind you of the times that God has been there for you. Um, I experienced um, some really bad financial difficulties a while back. But through it, what got me through it was understanding who God is, that he's our father, that he's our provider, and really trusting him. And I thank God he, he pulled me out of that. Amen. But when I got out of it, I said, Lord, I, I pray that my sons never have to go through something like that. And that's that's a fine prayer to pray that, that our children will be provided for. But God kind of pointed something out to me. And he said, you now trust me deeper financially than you ever have before after going through such a hard time. You grew in a time of pain, in a time of trouble. You sought me. You sought my will. You trusted me. How do you think you learned to do that? Because I allowed you to go through something. You might have felt alone. You might have felt hurt. But you knew who I was, and that carried you through. When we go through these times, it's not because God isn't there. It's not because God doesn't care. It's not because he wants to torture us. But there are times where He's allowing us to grow through the silence and remember who he is. But, Peter, if we don't have anything to remember, if we don't have the relationship or the word to count on, then the Spirit has nothing to draw on. You, know, you, can't, uh, you can't get anything from an empty bank account. And maybe you're not going through something right now. Maybe it's a time, I pray in Jesus' name for everybody, that it's a time of peace and joy and prosperity. And in this time, it's the, that's the time when you start building up in your faith. That's the time when you, you start enjoying the things of God. I got you. Uh, and allow God to make deposits, to make investments in your faith, in, uh, in your spiritual bank account. Another question is, what have you been through with him that tells you he's a, he is our healer, he is our provider, 
He is our comforter. He is our Savior. And when you answer some of these questions, and you could go anywhere with that, what have you been through to, to, to remember that he's our protector? What have, you, what have you been through with God mm-hmm. to know that he's the one that maybe he doesn't take away all the pain, but he holds your hand through it. When you're afraid, who's the one holding your hand saying, I'm going to help you? That's, uh, that's Isaiah 41.10. You know what? He's the one that says, don't be afraid for I am your God and I will help you. You know, there have been so many times in my life when I thought I would have gone crazy had it not been for the word that God gave me. Absolutely. But now you have to remember what has God promised? How was he promised? What has he said? Because like Jesus said in in Mark, resurrection is coming. There's going to be a time of the process. There might be a time of the suffering. For some people, there are times of, uh, God watch over everybody, diseases and the, the, the financial problems and the, 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 the family problems and the struggles in our faith. But resurrection is coming because he said so. Amen. Psalms 33 says, for the word, 33.4, for the word of the Lord is right and true and he is faithful in all that he does. In Psalms 91, it says that his faithful promises are our armor and protection. I thank God I get to draw on these promises. Whenever something's going on, I get to, to spend some of my spiritual bank account. Because sometimes you get into situations where, you know what, God's built up all this faith in me, but now it's time to spend it. And you don't leave it empty. You need to invest more. You need to allow God to pour more into you so that you know that His the word that he's given you is true. He's faithful in all that he does. But we have to give God enough room to prove it. We've got to give him that Saturday. You might be going through something now. And you might not be able to hear him. You might not be able to feel him. Because the last few years, it's been crazy. Yeah, you can say that again. You know what? Churches shut down. People went without that normal routine of being in the presence of God. And I'm more than sure God had a purpose in it. I don't know what it was yet, what, what it was yet but I know that he's going to reveal that word one of these days. Some of us still don't have churches. But we have the word that he's given. I believe that he's going to restore things that haven't been restored yet. I believe that he's going to bring provision because his word tells me he is. And I've been through enough with God to know that his word is true and he is faithful in all he does. I just have to give him the room. When I say I can't take it anymore, it's been too long. No, God knows when it's been too long. Amen. I've seen people go through things that I couldn't imagine. God watch over everybody, but they make it through because they're on the vine, because they remain in God. You were talking about uh, the 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 branch that withers. That's in John fifteen six, and it says, "If you do not remain in me." You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And I looked up the word wither, and it means to become dry and shriveled. All right? And it's lifeless. To be not connected to God is to remove yourself from the source of all life. And uh, I read something, a branch 
only has life as it is connected to the vine. We only have life when we're connected to the Lord. So to remove ourselves, of course we're going to feel dry. Water represents the Holy Spirit. Water represents, I think, the Word too. All right? Amen. Go a day without drinking water. Go two days without drinking water and see how you feel. You feel weak and you're, you cut yourself off from the source of everything that's important to you. But we don't have to do that. We can stay connected to God. If you can't hear him, if you can't feel him, if you're waiting for a promise, then go to his word. Build up that experience. Build up that experience with God so that when, when these things happen, you can say, you know what? No, that's not the truth. Jesus is not dead. He is risen. And even if I feel death, resurrection is coming because he says so. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what you're not without? You're not without Jesus Christ. You're not without your Lord and Savior. And you never have to be. Why? Because he said so. You know how I know that? From his word. So, if you need strength, if you need healing, if you need provision, give God a chance to show you why you should trust him so much. Give God a chance to show you who he is in your life. Because Saturday is going to end. Do you know what Saturday is? It's a day. You know what a day is? It's 24 hours. There's a beginning and there's an end to every day. We cut up the year in seasons. There's a predetermined time for when seasons end and then new ones begin. Don't keep the silence going longer than it has to. Allow God the time to show you who he is. Because Psalms 25.3 says, No one whose hope in you will ever be put to shame. Amen. But shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. The silence isn't going to be forever. When God opens his mouth, the world Everything is created. In the beginning was God, and he spoke a word, and the whole world was created. God's going to bring his healing. God's going to speak his joy and his blessing and his love over you. You just got to give him some room. Because maybe on Saturday, something has to be accomplished by God. When the world is silent, God's still speaking. Amen. You just got to give him a chance to speak. Amen. I want to give the phone number right now because I believe the Lord is moving in a certain direction. I believe there is someone who needs to hear what's about to be said. And if you need prayer, even if we go off the pro, uh, off the air, um, please call in and we want to pray with you. The phone number is 888-995-5552, 888-995-5552. We are live right now. We are in studio Sunday, April the 9th. So if you are someone who, with what, what is about to be said, realizes that God is speaking to you right now, please call in and hold on the line. Even if the program ends, we will get you and we will pray with you. 
And we're talking about the relationship with Jesus and how important it is. And we're talking about those times of silence. And Peter mentioned something, and he said, uh, when you go through something and you see that God is our healer and God is our provider, and, and I realized something in my own life, Peter. I realized, 888-995-5552, please do call in if the Spirit is, is telling you this is for you. I realized in my own life, I've been through some hardships. I've been through some things. And I was always able to call on the name of God. And because I had received the word before, because I had spent time in prayer with God, because I had built up my faith and my relationship with God, in the time that I was poor, I was able to trust in God the provider. In the time that I got COVID and I was in the hospital, I was able to trust in God, my healer. In the time when my father and my grandmother died on the same day, six hours apart, I was able to trust in God, my comforter. In the times where you're going through something, God's name is Jehovah, the becoming one. I am whatever it is that you need me to be. I become the fulfillment of whatever your need is, whether you're hurting, whether you're sick, whether you're addicted, whether you're lonely, whether you've been wronged, whether you're sinful, whatever it is, whatever the problem is, God is the solution. God is the victory over the problem. He is the peace in the storm. And I'm speaking right now, not from the word of God just because I've read it, but from the experience because I've experienced the word of God living in my life. It's 2,000 years old, over 2,000 years old, but so alive for today. Carol, I see you on the line. Please do stay on the line. We're about to go off air, but I will get to your call after. Please stay on the line so that we can pray with you. Peter, God does not need us. But we definitely need him. Amen. And the way that we get him is by the things that we said. The Bible calls us to pick up our cross daily, to lay down our lives, to give up ourselves, not to be conformed to this world, to be transformed. The Bible is calling us to follow Christ, yes, even unto death. Because spiritually we need to die to ourselves and live for him. Live his life. Pick up his style. Learn who he is, the things that he cares for, and adapt to his personality, to his character, to his desires, and to become those who are truly followers of Christ. God is calling us to walk in real, true relationship with him. And once we do, life will not be perfect. I promise you that. The Bible promises you that. 
However, you can definitely get through it a lot better with God than you can without him. Amen. And you know something? It's not just that you can get through the hard times. The good times. Oh, man. The good times are so much more joyful with God. I don't know how anybody enjoys anything without giving glory to God for it. Because it's in that moment when you recognize that the thing that you've been blessed with was given by somebody, by your God that loves you more than you can understand, more than your 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 brain is set up to understand, it makes it so much more joyful and so much more filled with love, knowing that you're loved that much that he would do this for you. Peter, the the good times are so much greater, but I'll tell you again from the experience. In the time of death, I was preaching and glorifying God because even in the bad times with him, it was awesome. And he is wonderful. We want to thank you for being with us tonight. We pray the Lord's blessing upon you. We pray the Lord's provision upon you. We pray his understanding and that the spirit would overflow within you and your household. We pray that God would grow the seed that was planted tonight. Begin to pray and seek the Lord. Begin to read his word. Begin to build up your relationship with God and walk with him. Begin to live the life that Christ died for you to have. God bless you and good night. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.